Oh, they're awesome. They're amazing. So good. So awesome. I mean, you guys are okay too, but this bunch over here is super cool. How about the Easter set with the crosses and all that? Does that look great? Great job by our, our teams that are uh, volunteers and staff that are working so hard uh, this week uh, with so many different things going on for Easter. If you ever go to Israel with us, and I hope that you'll all go with us at some point. We'll just keep going and going until Jesus comes back. But if you go to Israel with us, we can take you uh, to the shores of the Mediterranean, and uh, you can walk right out and, and, and stand where Herod's palace used to be on the shores of the Mediterranean. It's, it's, it's quite an impressive spot. And that's where Pilate uh, was stationed. That's where Pilate spent most of his time, was in Herod's palace on the shores of the Mediterranean. And he would only set up shop in Jerusalem uh, for festivals and, and things like that. If, if there were times when there was going to be a large crowd, then he would travel from Caesarea to Jerusalem to be in Jerusalem uh, just in case trouble broke out, uh, just in case he had to make a ruling or if he had to bring his fist down on some kind of a disturbance with his trademark brutality. So most of the time he was in Caesarea, but for special occasions he would be in Jerusalem. And early one morning, probably before 6 a.m., one of these disturbances comes to a boil outside of Pilate's temporary residence in Jerusalem. And Jesus' captors think that they're, they think that they're dragging him uh, to be tried and convicted. But he's, Jesus is not being dragged. Every accusation, every slap, Every spit is one more willing step towards the cross to die for the sins of the very ones who are out to kill him. Their mission is to kill him, to get rid of him. His mission is to die for them, to get rid of their sin. In the last 12 hours, uh, Jesus has been betrayed by one of his disciples. He's been arrested. He's been bound and, and tried before the high priest Caiaphas. And while this is going on, one of his closest disciples, Peter, is just outside, in the courtyard just outside uh, Caiaphas' residence, denying that he, that he even ever knew Jesus. This is all that's, that's going on. And the events are recorded for us. It's in John chapter 18. And we're going to pick it up this morning in verse 28. Jesus' trial before, before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them, and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, What is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if, we, if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters, called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king 
of the Jews, he asked him. And Jesus replied, is this, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said, so you are a king. Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. And all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, he's not guilty of any crime. But you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? But they shouted back, no, not this man. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a revolutionary. The events that we just read are full of tragedy and irony. And it shows us how far we're willing to go to get God out of our lives when we're bent on our own agenda. They have God right in their presence. But they can't see him for who he is. Because of their, they're blinded by their, their own kingdoms and the, the things that they're trying to protect. The things that they want to, to pursue. The irony is that they... they they, they wouldn't go into Pilate's residence. They had to stand outside of Pilate's residence, keeping a safe distance. Because if they, if they entered into Pilate's residence, or if they even came in touch with Pilate's residence, with the property of a Gentile, they would be unclean and unable to participate in the Passover celebrations. Do you see the irony of these, of these people who are trying so hard to, 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 to keep clean? But their hearts are far from, far from clean. They have in their hands the only one who can make them clean. The one who is going to shatter all of their, their laws on, on being clean and unclean. The one who is going to, to totally reset their, law, their laws and their lives in a new era of grace. They have him right in their hands. And they're so careful not to touch Pilate's property. The, uh, they summoned Pilate by either shouting, standing at a safe distance and shouting for him to come out, or sending in a servant. Uh, you know, we're not going it. You go get him. You go it. You knock on the You go get him. Because they didn't want to be unclean. Taking elaborate precautions to avoid ritual contamination so that they could celebrate the Passover and eat the Passover meal. At the same time, they're busy manipulating the judicial system to secure the death of the very one who is the true Passover. And it's, it's scary. It's, it's cautionary because we're capable, when, when we want something that we really, really want, we're capable of doing our own theological gymnastics in our minds and in our hearts can, until we convince ourselves that, that it's okay or we're right or, or we can do this, we can get away with this. 
compartmentalizing the things of God that we want to keep, the, the parts that we do like, and the things that we want to kill for our own gain and our, and our selfish desires. You see, if you want something bad enough that you know you're not supposed to have, if you want something bad enough, you can convince yourself that you are right. You can self-justify almost anything if you manipulate it long enough. There's this um, back and forth exchange that we've read in this, in this text here between Pilate and Jesus and, and Jesus' accusers. And John wants us to see this, this going back and forth. It's the tension between choosing Jesus or choosing the world. Do I do what is right or do I go with the crowd? There's this, this wrestling, this, this uncertainty. What if it's true? Can it be true? And, and this is the tension of between Holy Week and Good Friday, between Hosanna's and crucify him, between hail him and nail him. Who is Jesus? And the answer to that question, who is Jesus, how you answer that question makes all the difference. Who is Jesus in your life? We mentioned this last Sunday, when, when you're faced with a, a crossroad, always choosing to take the cross road. Verse 29. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, what is your charge against this man? Pilate comes to the door wearing his grumpy pants. Not because it's so early in the morning. It was typical for them to start their work day well before sunrise, like Pastor Buckingham. And be done by noon. Some of you would really like that, and some of you would be unemployed. A pilot's question is a bit surprising when he says, what is your charge against this man? Because earlier in the chapter, he had already agreed to release a group of, of his guards to, to assist in the arrest of Jesus. So his involvement, he's already involved in arresting Jesus, and his involvement would have given Jesus' accusers hope that, hey, Pilate's with us. Pilate sees it our way. Pilate is going to rubber stamp our wishes. And they're, they're, they're a little rattled by his question. What do you mean? What is our charge against this man? And, and you'll notice when, when we read it that they, they replied back to Pilate with a rather snotty reply. In verse 30, well, they say, we wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal. Now, they know Pilate's power, and Pilate knows his power, and he knows that they know that only he, only Pilate can do for them what they want him to do. He, he just wants to hear it. He just wants them to, to say it out loud. Tell me what it is you want me to do with this Jesus. Why are you really here? Pilate wants them to be clear about their intentions with Jesus. Why, why are we really here? What are our intentions? What are your intentions with Jesus? When Rome took over Judea in the year A.D. 6, 
verdicts of capital punishment were taken away from the Jews and put in the hands of the ruling governor. So it was, it, they needed Pilate to bring down this, this, this verdict of capital punishment. They couldn't do it. So they didn't want Jesus to just be guilty. They didn't want Jesus to just be flogged or even incarcerated. They needed to convince Pilate that the offense, whatever Jesus had done, whatever their offense was, was a capital crime worthy of execution. Their plan is to execute God. And God's plan was to execute sin. They had to embellish and exaggerate to get what they wanted, which is what we do when we're convincing ourselves to crucify Jesus rather than crucify our own selfish desires. We embellish and we exaggerate. You either deny yourself or you deny the cross, but you can't do both. John inserts verse 32 to make sure that we see the hand of God in this. It's in parentheses. John says, this fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. John, John wants to make sure that we see the hand of God. Jesus knew how this was going to unfold. He knew that he would be turned over to the authorities, that he would be tried, that he would be beaten, that he would be rejected, that he'd be hung on a cross. And if you're a Christ follower this morning, I would, I would uh, want to do the same as what John did. I'd want to say to us this morning, don't miss the hand of God. Don't miss the hand of God in your life. Pay careful attention to what God is doing in your life, even if it seems like everyone is out to kill you. Verse of scripture from Romans chapter 8, verse 17, Paul says, Since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Verse 33, then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the, of the Jews? He asked him. So Pilate calls Jesus in and, and leave the, the crowd outside, the crowd that doesn't want to be contaminated by touching uh, Pilate's property at all. And Pilate takes him inside where he can question Jesus without the bias of, of the accusers. And king of the Jews is the accusation of the, of the Sanhedrin. See, teacher Jesus or rabbi Jesus is one thing. But when it goes to that next level of Messiah Jesus and King Jesus, all, all hell literally breaks loose. And, and the, the Jewish leaders, the, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, all, all of those, that group, they're, they're threatened by Jesus. They fear a loss of power, and they love their power. And if Jesus is king, then it means that they would need to submit their lives to him. It rattled their very identity, their core. You see, when we don't see Jesus as king, we're, we're being deceived. When we don't see our need for Jesus to be Lord of our lives, we're being deceived. Words like, Submission and surrender and control, and lordship and, and king. Those words sound like, like a, a loss of, of freedom. But reality is that, that when, when we fully surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, 
That's when we find greater freedom than we've ever known before. There's greater freedom in surrender to Jesus. Being under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that's where we find ultimate meaning and purpose for our lives. Verse 34, Jesus replied to, to Pilate. Pilate had asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied and said, is, is this your own question or is, or is this just something you've heard from, are you asking uh, the question on the street? Are you asking the, the, somebody else's question or is this your own question? Jesus wants to know what's behind the question. Is Pilate genuinely investigating the claims of God or is he just repeating what he's heard? Is he investigating or is he interrogating? Because how genuine you are in your search for truth matters. Your sincere questions matter to God. God is not afraid of your questions. It's okay to have real genuine questions for God. If Pilate's angle is to trap Jesus and just get the sentencing over, then, then, then that's the way that Jesus will respond. But if Pilate is like Nicodemus in John chapter 3, sincerely exploring the claims of Christ, then Jesus can respond in an entirely different way and, and help Pilate peel through his, his layers of, of doubt and his layers of unbelief and, and get to a place where he discovers the real truth. You see, you owe it to yourself today. If, if, you, if you've never investigated the claims of Jesus Christ for yourself, you owe it to yourself to investigate the claims of Jesus. Now, a little warning here. I'm, a, I'm about to intentionally use a double negative. Just telling you, so you don't have to send the emails if you're a school teacher or something like that. I, I understand I'm about to use poor grammar, okay? Does it make it allowable if I tell you in advance I'm going to do it? Don't not, this just sounds weird, doesn't it? But it, it's what I want to say. Don't not believe in Jesus based on other people's doubts. Investigate for yourself. If he did come back from death, if the resurrection of Jesus is true, that's not something you want to be wrong about. I'm going to give you a couple of uh, resources this morning if you, if you want to investigate for yourself. A couple of great resources. These are the two best ones that I know of. Uh, one is uh, a book by Lee Strobel, and it's called The Case for Faith. And the other one is by Tim Keller. Anything by Tim Keller is amazing. And a book by Tim Keller called The Reason for God. And if, you, if, if, if those things can be helpful to you, or if you have someone in, in your uh, sphere that, that really is wrestling with this stuff, they owe it to themselves to investigate and not just accept what other people are saying. So there's a couple of great resources. The Case for Faith by Lee Strobel, The Reason for God by Tim Keller. Pilate's reply in verse 35 lets us know that he's really, he's really not interested. He's really just blowing Jesus off. He's not taking Jesus serious. But he, he questions a little, a little further, and he's asking Jesus, what have you done anyhow? Like, why, why are the, is that mob so upset with you? What could you have done that they would bring you here to see me first thing in the morning? And, and 
Why would they want you to be executed? Why is it so, um, so urgent that they have you executed before the Passover? And as the questions and replies go back and forth, both Jesus and Pilate reveal a lot about uh, themselves. Pilate reveals that he's still searching for truth. He just says it out loud. What, what is truth? Jesus reveals that he is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said about himself, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Three days later from this exchange, when Jesus' body is missing from the tomb, Pilate will have to replay these words of Jesus over and over in his head. He'll have to reconsider the things that Jesus said about himself. Jesus tells Pilate twice that his kingdom is not of this world. He tells Pilate that he was sent to testify about God's truth, the birth, the life, the teachings and ministry of Jesus, they all point towards the truth. It means that life can only make sense when you put Jesus in the center of it all. You can't know the truth until you know the truth, capital T. You, you can't find truth. You're not going to know the truth until you know Jesus, the truth. Jesus said those who love the truth, they recognize me. They see me. They recognize the truth. And he sees the hopelessness in Pilate. He's lost. And Pilate throws his hands up and says, well, what is truth? He's, he, he's actually pointing to the, this is the, this is why Jesus came. To help people who are, who are blind to these things. To help them to see that that he is the truth. When Pilate says, what is the truth? He's pointing to how messed up and how broken the world really is. If, if there's no truth, then you, you can't find peace. You can't find hope. You, there's no meaning and life can be pointless. If you hear anything this morning, I hope you hear this. There is only one answer to Pilate's question, what is truth? There's only one answer to that question. Jesus. Jesus is the truth. He's the hope of the world. We don't need more religion. We need more Jesus. And Pilate is so close. He's got Jesus right there, but yet he's so, so far away. Have you ever been searching for something and it was right in front of you all along? Am I the only one losing my mind? Anybody else done this? Um, I left the office the other day, and I noticed that my phone, I reached for my, my phone wasn't in my pocket. And I turned to go back upstairs to the office to get my phone, and that's when I realized I was talking on it. <laughs> now, it was during the Daniel fast, and I was off a of coffee. Well, that's a true story. I'm talking on it, and I'm thinking... Oh, Guptal, you dummy, you left your phone upstairs, got to go back and get it. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Pilate has Jesus in his hand. 
and he doesn't know it. He's so close. He's searching. And the answer is right there. He says, what is truth? Jesus is like, hello. I am the truth. It's right here. Pilate goes back to the crowd. He goes outside and he says, I can't find any fault in Jesus. But one prisoner gets a pardon at the Passover each year. He asks the crowd, do you want me to release? Do you want me to give you back this king of the Jews? And they shouted back, no, keep him. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. A militant killer is released. A merciful savior is condemned. One has shed others' blood in an effort to topple Rome. The other will shed his own blood to save us all. One is set free, still in his own sin, guilty. The other is bound, whipped in his innocence. One is the people's choice, receiving freedom. One is God's choice, securing our freedom. One is a revolutionary, raging against the system. One has the most revolutionary message of all time, laying down his life for ours. What is truth? Good Friday is an opportunity for us to reflect on the depth of God's love for us. God's sacrifice for us. That God so loved his world that he gave his only son. That anyone who believes that the sacrifice of Good Friday is for them will never perish but have everlasting life. Without the crucifixion, there would be no resurrection. And that's true for us. That's the same in our lives. Until we die to ourselves, we can't be raised to new life. Without a crucifixion, there can't be a resurrection. I encourage us to stay in that, that reflection today. Allow God today to speak to you throughout the day and show you anything in your life that needs to go to the cross. Prepare your hearts for Resurrection Sunday. It's coming. Let's pray together. Oh God, I just thank you this morning for your truth. Your word is truth. Your presence is truth. You are the only truth. And God, I just uh, pray that you would uh, remind us this morning of your great, great love for each one of us, that we would know you, that we would know the truth, that our lives would be centered on you and in you, that we wouldn't have to be searching, that life wouldn't be pointless or meaningless. Our, 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 our true uh, uh, reason for existence can be, is found in you. It can only be found in you. God, I thank you for each person that's here this morning. And I pray that uh, throughout today, even now, you would just search our hearts and help us to come clean before you. And if there's anything there that needs to go to the cross, that we would surrender because that's where true freedom is. We look forward to Sunday with great, great 
anticipation where we can celebrate uh, that Jesus is alive. So, Lord, uh, as we close in worship and leave in your presence, I pray that you would go with us and, uh, and be with each one, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.